Do you want to know how to get your brand featured in mass media outlets to increase the trust and credibility in your brand? Mass media exposure elevates the perception of your brand, attracting customers, increasing sales, and outselling your competitors. So listen in because the Magnify You podcast has been made for you. I'm your host, Monica Rosenfeld, and I've been running my PR agency, Wordstorm PR, for 20 years. Over that time, we've worked with literally hundreds of brands and positioned our clients as the go-to media spokespeople for their industry. I'll be talking to journalists, talent agents, media professionals, and inspiring entrepreneurs about what it takes to get your message in the headlines. Welcome back to episode four of the Magnify You podcast. I'm your host, Monica Rosenfeld, and I really hope you've enjoyed listening to our first three episodes. If you've been getting value out of it, feel free to share. You know, if you're a small business owner, always wanting to get some mass media exposure, these journeys are teaching you exactly how to do that. Our next guest today is Melissa Wilson, who's the executive director for the Women's Network within News Corp. As part of this role, she oversees Kidspot, Women and Body and Soul. Melissa is also co-host of parenting podcast, The Juggling Act, alongside Sarah Harris. Welcome, Melissa. Hi, thanks for having me. Every time I hear that, it just makes me feel really old. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, like... been around for a while. <laughs> well, old is good because experience. we've got a lot of life experience and yeah, we, That's true. we've got it all sorted. Wisdom, yes. I like to say. Yeah, awesome. wisdom and experience. Exactly. Well, we'll get straight into it. Kidspot's one of the most popular parenting platforms with about um, 3.1 million digital reach. Yeah. So what do you attribute its success to? Yeah, well, Kidspot's been around for a long time now. And I think um, what Kidspot does really well is it's that trusted authority in that space. So um, it's kind of like your midwife, your mum and your best friend all tied into one. So, um, but you know, it's kind of there 24 seven. And I think um, the Facebook page for Kidspot in particular is one of the most highly engaged Facebook pages out of any kind of, um, not just publication, but but brand, I think, in the country. We have almost a million followers and the engagement is super high. And so it is really like an online mums group. Um, and, you know, mums are very passionate about their children and everything to do with parenting. And I think why Kidspot has done so well is because we have so many experts on board. There's all of that evergreen type content that's there to help parents around how to get rid of nits and how to toilet train your baby or dealing with toddler tantrums, early pregnancy symptoms, what to pack in your um, hospital bag, all of those things that you find yourself Googling when you first get pregnant. But then there's also the lighthearted stories or the more emotional stories around I'm, I'm struggling with postnatal depression or I answered the door to the postman and didn't realise I still had my boob out because I'd just been <laughs> breastfeeding. And, yeah. you know, like that stuff I think that makes people feel like they're not alone, whether it is something to laugh, you know, laughing about a pelvic floor fail or whether it's, crying or feeling relieved that someone else is struggling just yeah. as much as you are. And if you've got a business sort of that helps mums, whether it's, you know, through your expertise or through your products and you want to get a bit of uh, exposure through Kidspot um, mm. from a sort of editorial point of view, what what advice would you give to, to those businesses when a pitching to you? Yeah, I think my my biggest piece of advice would be to do your research and see what we already have on site, because I think that's one of the most common mistakes that either businesses or PRs make is pitching that kind of evergreen stuff that 
we've already done a million times. So it's really about trying to think about what your point of difference is, whether it is a brand or a a product or a service, whatever it is that, that you're trying to pitch. What is your point of difference? Why is our reader going to care about it? Because it's so hard to get traffic referrals these days, um, whether it's via social, whether it's via search or, or some other form of traffic referral, that's a struggle for every publisher all around the world at the moment. So without that strong hook, we can't get that cut through to the readers and it's not going to do you any service because no one's reading it. And for the listeners out there, can you explain what you mean by that, by traffic referral? Yeah, so um, I guess there's multiple ways that any publisher would get someone coming to their site to read their articles. So the main uh, ways would be, and and this has changed dramatically, I think, in the last five years. So a site like news.com.au still gets a lot of traffic referrals, gets a lot of readers coming directly to the site. Yeah, just clicking straight onto it. Yeah, either bookmarked news.com.au or typing it in their browser. But even they are finding that their traffic referrals are changing a lot now. So a lot of um, publishers' traffic comes through social media. So that's sharing articles individual on Facebook. People sharing it, got to read this, I saw this. Yeah, Yeah. and so once they click on that and it goes back to site, that's a referral from social media. Search is now a massive strategy for a lot of publishers because the algorithms have changed on Facebook and, and they've made it a lot harder for people's content to surface in readers feeds so now search is a really big strategy for people so they're having to look at the type of keywords that people are searching for so whether it's toilet training or knits whatever it is and wanting to make sure that their brands their surf their content is surfacing for people when they're searching for those words and then that traffic referral is coming through from search so it's kind of direct site social or search and then once you've got people on your site the challenge then is to keep them there and to get them looking around at other content so it's about retaining that reader for as long as you possibly can. And across your three platforms so Body and Soul, Women and Kidspot are you open to pitches from not only PR people but just businesses out there who think you know what I've just got this product or service that I just feel will totally resonate with this audience. Yeah, absolutely. And we get stuff like that all the time. But again, um, it's thinking about the number that we get every day. Like, mm. How many would you get every day? Oh, my goodness. I, don't, I would get hundreds and hundreds of emails yeah. and every you, you single couldn't day. possibly read all of them. No, and I really do try. And I have always prided myself on replying to everyone that's as amazing. much as I, I mean, can. That's really honourable because, I mean, you, you you get hundreds and it would be hard to get back to everyone yeah, on top of doing is, all the other things. It is really, really hard, but I see it as beneficial because if I'm giving people even just one or two lines of feedback, like this is not quite right for us and not leaving it there, but actually explaining why, I hope that next time they pitch someone, something, if it is a PR, that, that they're taking that into consideration and 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 tailoring their, their next pitch. So it's saving everybody time the end of the day you know I want I want to find content that's going to work for one of our three brands PRs businesses they want to get exposure for their brands so if you can try and you know finesse that those pitches and those story ideas that are coming through then it only benefits everybody at the end of the day. So what are your three sort of practical tips on and this is your chance to let everyone out there know yeah um, how, how can they make your job easier so you've mentioned you know be targeted and research the publication so they know it's a good fit what are the other practical elements you know from the heading in the email to what the press release should or shouldn't look like or visuals um, I think the biggest things for me don't call me I 
I actually don't answer my phone anymore because it's always PRs say, and their opening line is always, and I'm, I don't want to offend anybody, but it's always, I've got this great story for you. And then they start talking about it and it's like, I can actually hear how bored you are by this story. And so that's really key for me. If you're b- bored by what you're telling me, no one's going to read it. So, you know, as polite as I am. I've heard a lot of sort of journos talking about speaking to PRs, but I haven't heard that take. Yeah, right. Well, and that's kind of what I try to say to people is um, whether it is the press release, whether it's the pitch in the email or or whether it is those phone calls, which I'll, I'll be honest, journalists just read now, is would you read it? That's what I say to them. Like, what is your hook? Have you actually thought about what the hook is here and why we would want to cover that story and why someone would read it in the first place? And if you don't think that hook is interesting, then there's a there's a very high chance that no one else is going to. So particularly if you're in the demographic of the, the brand that you're trying to pitch to. So I, I would really, as I said, do your research. Do we already have content like that on site? And, and what type of content is it that, that is getting surfaced on that particular brand? What is the hook? Do that hard work for the journalists. You have such a higher chance of actually getting that story picked up. If you've thought about a case study, um, if it's some particularly dry uh, kind of research or study that's been done, like pull out those yeah, highlights. Give it an angle. Exactly. You have to do that work for the journalist because everybody's so busy. Um, and is that case study willing to share images because everybody needs those that strong point of reference and those images? So often we get pitched case studies and then you turn around and go, yep, great. And then the person's not available to talk for a week and then they're like, oh, actually, I don't want to share photos. It's like, this is no uh, use to me. I know exactly it's what you mean because we talk to clients and say, look, do you have a case study? And they say, oh, yes, I've got so many happy customers. And I say, I know that, but how many of them are willing to have their photo in the newspaper or go on TV and tell their whole story? Yep. And of 100 of your happy customers, you might have three. Yep. So you have to qualify with them. And you can't go and pitch that to the journo and then say, oh, sorry, they don't want their f- photo in the media because you're talking to the media. Yeah, and that's I, I, frustrating for everybody. It's frustrating for PRs because they're trying to do their job and it's not really their fault. They're stuck in the middle. But also taking into consideration how busy everybody is, it's just like we just don't have time to mess around with that. Um, and then I think the third big one, um, particularly with pitches and press releases, is too many words. I don't want a thesis. As soon as I see a massive chunk of words, I'm out. I actually don't even read them. If you haven't got me in that first one or two paragraph, and you don't know what your story is about and what your hook is about, I, I don't have time to find it for you. Absolutely. I, I used to work at a current affair, um, so I know where you're coming from. And, yeah, it's, I learnt a lot about the pitches that I got and the way people try to pitch stories to me. And that's I sort of vowed to do the opposite when I started the PR agency. Yeah. My PR Thank agency. God for people like you. <laughs> so um, so I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And... With this, the social channels are very powerful. You know, it's one, it's great to get a story in, you know, body and soul. I mean, that's really awesome, but even better when it then gets shared on body and soul social channels. So, who makes that decision and how can you sort of encourage that to happen by giving? the right elements so what are the right elements that you can line up and then I know part of it's luck as well yeah look I think um with social media these days as I said it's such a struggle for publishers to get cut through so particularly with our brands it pretty much is a given that 
like 99% of stories will get shared on social. But our job then is to look at how that story is being sold. So a, a story going on site, um, say for women, example, for example, would be sold quite differently on social media. You have to take into account things like the algorithm which penalises clickbait. So it might be something on site that's like this two-minute hack to help you get to sleep is the best thing ever. But if you're using language like that on social media, it's going to be penalised and it's not going to surface. So then you have to think about how different that is. The audience on Facebook is quite different to the audience on Instagram. So we need to think about the images that are being used. They're probably going to be of slightly older women on Facebook because research has shown that the demographic of people using Facebook now is 35 plus. The younger demographic are the ones using Instagram. So you can use more kind of woke, cool language on there that you wouldn't really use on Facebook and you wouldn't use on site. So yeah, I think from our perspective, most content goes on social media and it's from from our end, it's about then how we sell it and how we try and get that to surface in people's feeds, which is a another massive challenge. And if you've got a, a brand up and coming, you know, you're a naturopath and you're very passionate and you've created this fantastic new beauty product, some of these business owners might feel overwhelmed trying to get into body and soul because, you know, there's so many big brands with lots and lots of money and that they feel dominate and they're not important enough or who am I to think that I can be in this mass media publication? Yeah. So what would you say to them? Um, always ask. I My whole career, my um, kind of motto has been if you don't ask, you don't get. And regardless of that's whether that's in your career or personal life, whether it's money, whatever it is, if you don't tell people what it is you want, then they don't know. So us getting an email from a, a massive brand compared to someone who has one product, a naturopath who's just started this amazing thing, makes no difference to us if it actually works and they believe in it and it has that point of difference that I've talked about up until this stage then amazing always happy to try it give things a road test Um, I think particularly with body and soul that that's a really strong uh, element people love reading about something that's actually worked for someone else I would say from that kind of perspective if you can get you know, influencers do have a lot of influence, unfortunately. So, you know, Kayla Itness recently talked about a, a charcoal mask that she used to get rid of uh, acne and that product sold out on a small website that only has a couple of products, I think the second that she posted it. Wow. So, you know, the power of um, reach like that is not to be underestimated, you know, and then that's something we did a follow-up story on as well. It's also kind of tapping into trends, you know, so CBD oil, for, for example, is something that's really big. So if people are kind of reading about this sort of stuff, they want to know about it. And, you know, a brand like Bio Oil has had one product ever that it's released for, I think, the don't quote me on this, but for like the last 30 years or something. And they're, they're only just bringing a new product out now. So that's a massive brand. But when you look at it, one product is what they've hooked their whole business um, strategy off. So, a lot of clarity there. Yeah. So you have to start somewhere. Yeah. So that little naturopath who's come up with some kind of homemade remedy, who's to say that's not the next bio oil that you're not going to live off for the next 30 years. Yeah, great. Um, and on the topic of influencers, it's gone that industry has gone through quite a journey and and of late there's been a lot of talk about well how influential are they and has the industry been diluted by people who do a short course on it and think that they're now an influencer I know a lot of my clients um, are being approached by influencers all the time saying I want product and this and that and I'll do a post and so what 
do you think about the influencer landscape and where do you think it's heading? Yeah, it's a really interesting space. I think in the last few years, there's definitely been a lot of pullback from it in terms of, you know, if we're talking about something like health and fitness, you know, in the space that Body and Soul works in, there has been a lot of backlash um, against influencers, influencers just promoting products that, that they don't really have any expertise or authority in. From a Body and Soul perspective, we're very careful about the people that we work with. They're, they're experts in their field who have, who have trained at, at university in their space and really know what they're talking about. That's not to say that we don't often work with influencers, but, you know, we're very careful that we know that they know what they're talking about, you know, and the space that it's headed to, I mean, no one's got any money anymore. So from a brand's perspective, if they can spend X amount of money and get an influencer to talk about their product, it probably is a lot cheaper than buying a TVC on, on a broadcast network. Well, it is a lot cheaper. So... I think where it's headed is that readers are becoming a lot more savvy. They're more aware of who they're getting their information from. And that's why it's important for our three brands um, to really focus on what all of us do well, which is be that authority in those spaces and make sure we're working with experts who know what they're talking about. And now you're in charge of Body and Soul, both online and digital, Mm -hmm. as of very recently. Yep. What's the difference between the two and how do you know, you know, if you get into the print edition, what will get chosen for the digital edition? Um, So where do they kind of cross over? Yeah, it's interesting. So that has only happened recently and I think um, it's been great because it makes sense that we've got this one brand, Body and Soul, that consumers know uh, and that we are working closer together across print and digital, both from a commercial and an editorial perspective to be working together better. In saying that, it does have challenges because they are very different audiences. Yeah, that have very different eyeballs and demographics and yeah so the people that pick up the Sunday paper are generally um, skew a bit older so 50 plus (laughs) well I'm 45 yeah but but the or with body and soul magazine um you know someone else has bought the paper and then you happen to be in their house and and so many people I know pull out body and soul and then they end up reading it so sometimes it can be quite difficult to, to know who is actually reading your content body and soul online skews a lot younger um so it can be challenging for us to find Um, that story that is going to work in print as well as online. Obviously, the deadlines are very different. So Body and Soul Print works at least three weeks out. And do you need more content for the digital version? Yeah. um, And so it's good, I think... For example, if we we did an interview recently with Jacinta Franklin um, and so that ran, we did a cover shoot with her for Body and Soul print, um, got some great quotes from her. For online, we don't just rehash the same story. We're trying to pull out a different angle to do that, to give our readers something new and fresh. Um, Also working hard on cross-promoting both those brands. So in Body and Soul print now more, you will see, um, to read more from Jacinta, head to bodyandsoul.com.au. Online, we're now pushing people We'll pick up Sunday Sunday's paper to read an interview with Elle McPherson. Yeah, so it's sort of cross-purposing. Yeah, cross, um, exactly. Aligning. Yeah, and you know, and there's so much more content on site in terms of um, quizzes and infographics and video content, and it's so much more immersive. So in print, it's kind of like this often this little snapshot of something. But you know, if you really want to find out more about what sugar's doing to your body, then head online, take this quiz, um, watch the video around how to cut sugar out of your diet, um, all of those sort of things. So we really want to see them complementing each other. Your head must be spinning. Yes, <laughs> it is. Some days I get home to two little kids and I'm just like, Ugh. not to mention 
mention the other things that you're doing. And and on the other things, um, you are right into podcasts. So you're actually the host of your own podcast or co-host um, with Sarah Harris. Yep. And as we know, podcasts is a growing medium, which is very exciting. And it's another really good area to get sort of mass media exposure to these podcasts where that's getting lots and lots of listeners. So what's your take on that? So let's say um, the juggling act, would you be open to interviewing interesting people who have an interesting spin on parenting, you know, should they be pitching to you their their angle? Yeah, so with the Juggling Act, we recently relaunched it with Sarah Harris and um, we kind of targeted it now to working parents. So it, it makes it a little bit more, um, uh, we're a little bit more careful, I guess, about the guests that we, we get on. So there really needs to be that working parent um, aspect. We've spoken to a lot of high profile um, business owners, um, on how they run huge companies while also having that work-life balance. Um, We have experts on every week from um, legal to finance, psychology, all those things around returning to work, what are your rights, you know, kind of have a breastfeeding room at work, all of those sorts of things to really try and help people with that transition between being a parent and juggling work. But in saying that, yeah, people with great real-life stories. We had a mum on the other day who um, had developed an opioid addiction after a a very traumatic emergency cesarean and then she'd written a book about her experience and she'd hidden that addiction from her husband for two years and was basically doctor shopping and was going around and and getting these painkillers from from various doctors and but also went back to work very early so you know there was kind of that that hook for us was she went back to work I think after three months after having her first child had postnatal depression anxiety everybody's got an amazing story more than happy to have people reach out and chat to us and what if you're an expert so an expert in in mind mindfulness or you know any of those expertise that you mentioned you know if you feel that you're an expert and can talk on that and link it to your topic. Um. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's really beneficial to have that expert element to uh, a lot of podcasts because uh, from my perspective, whether it's content online or whether it's it's podcast content, you really need to have a take home for the audience. It's that even if it's just one thing that sticks with them and they go, oh, I heard, I heard this um, psychologist talking on a podcast the other day and she was saying it's all about just taking micro moments. You know, it doesn't have to be taking an hour for yourself every day. It's like do something just for five minutes every day that's for you that makes you happy and and that can make all the difference you know if that's that one thing that you pull out of it that might change your day week month year then then that's what you want to be able to provide people and look it's one thing to be interviewed by on a podcast but a whole other level to start your own podcast yes and that's what more and more people are doing um including myself yeah <laughs> um so what are some tips that you'd give to people who are starting out you know they they've they're just starting that journey. They want to create a podcast. What are some nuggets that you can give them? Yeah, again, I think it all comes down to research. So it is what's your point of difference. And I think with podcasting now, because that that market is getting more and more saturated, you really need to be quite niche about it. So so what is that thing with your podcast? You're, you're talking to people who are in that industry. There's, there's that really kind of pointed point to it basically I think sometimes if you cast the net too wide um, and say uh, my podcast is about finance it's very hard to find that market what's that hook what's going to get 
people sort of tweaked into yeah, it. Yeah, why do they want to listen to it? What's going to catch their eye when they're scrolling through, um, you know, iTunes, the podcast app on their phone? And then I think it's about being authentic. I think that's what really resonates with people is being yourself and and being willing willing to be open and to share and to um, share your experiences and your journey and, and be vulnerable or um, whatever whatever it is the topic that you're talking about. I think people have very high BS meters these days and if they listen into something and they feel like someone either doesn't know what they're talking about or they're not being real, they're out. No, I totally understand where you're coming from. The tagline of this podcast is mainstream your message. So just as a final tip, what would you say to people out there, you know, if you want to mainstream your message, what should you be thinking about doing? I think a lot of the things that we've talked about is you just need to be really smart about it. And and like I always say, is like put it back on yourself. Why, why would you care about this message, about this product, about this service um, that you're trying to get out there and get into the, the mainstream? And be really critical. Be really tough on yourself because that's what everybody else is going to do. They don't know you. They don't care about you personally. They don't care if they're going to offend you by thinking your service is crap or your product is rubbish. Um, So you really need to believe in it and you need to put it through that really strict filter yourself or get a trusted friend to do it or a colleague or or someone but but re- be really tough on yourself and think about all these things that we've talked about today your hook do your research be prepared and also don't give up is is my main thing I think if you really believe in it then go for it have absolutely that, you know, have that bull to the horn sort of yeah mentality. and be pushy and ask for favors at the end of the day I think whether it's parenting or whether it's it's in a career space people want to help you and so if you ask like 95% of people will go out of their way to help you and that's always been my my mentality I want to help people that ask me for help because I never know when I'm going to have to turn around and ask for it myself. And often though the strangest things come from the most unlikely places, a random conversational comment you might have made to a stranger who suddenly turns around and goes, oh, my wife works in media and, and works in this speciality. And you're like, oh my God, that's exactly what my product is. And randomly you've made some comment or, or made an in. So yeah, believe in yourself be ambitious, have tenacity um, and and just give it a red hot go. Thank you so much, Melissa. You have been so generous with your insights and information. I'm sure everyone listening will have learnt so much from this interview and I really, really appreciate you coming in and sharing all your golden tips and nuggets. Thank you very much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Melissa Wilson. What a great guest. This has been episode four of the Magnify You podcast. We'll be releasing episode five next week. Please go to whatever app you listen to the podcast on and rate and review it. Thank you. Thank you for joining Monica Rosenfeld on the Magnify You podcast. If you liked the episode, rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to the show on. You can listen to Magnify You on all podcast apps, including Apple and Google. Spotify and the TuneIn Radio app are other great ways to listen. If you are looking for a marketing speaker for your next event or PR for your business, contact Monica Rosenfeld at monica at wordstormpr.com.au.